I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful today that we get to come into this place and worship you. God, we know that this place, Lord, it, it means nothing. God, it's just a building. God, the only reason that we're here today is not to worship a, a name on a church or, or even the pews or the carpet or the building. God, we're here to worship you. So, Lord, we're thankful for the songs that we've been able to sing. God, we're thankful that um, all the people that have shared the gifts that you've given them, Lord, this morning, God, we just uh, we want to honor you in all that we do. So now, through the preaching of your word, Father, I, I pray that I decrease and you increase. God, I, I pray that this message just isn't for the people in the congregation. Lord, I, I pray that you speak to my heart as well. God, take away any nerves, any distraction. Lord, I, I pray that your name be lifted high, that you will draw those that are lost to yourself. Father, that you do what only you can do, saving the lost and reviving the saved. God, and at the end of this, Lord, I pray that we just see a great outpouring Lord, even more than what we've already seen of your Holy Spirit. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. How are y'all? That's good. We had an hour and 57-minute drive this morning. Uh, that's, that's how we're doing. We're doing really well, right? And uh, praise the Lord, my wife is over here with our little six-month-old girl on the front row. Uh, my wife and I have been married almost five years next month. Um, when she met me, I was homeless. You heard your pastor, Brother Richard, mention that I was a drug dealer. That, that's true. Uh, I spoke at a conference one time, and they asked me for a bio, and I said, just tell them I worked in the oil field, I sold drugs, and now I'm a preacher. And that's what they said in this conference in front of all these people, and so that's just kind of been what, what has stuck with me. And so when I met my wife, I was a homeless, year-and-a-half sober preacher. I had uh, $13 to my name. I bought a smoothie at Smoothie King because that's where she was working. I know, I get emotional. Don't forget I was a drug dealer. <laughs> I still have killers for hire in my phone, uh, but they're anti-pest people, right? So anyways, y'all are never going to let me back after that statement. Uh, so my wife married me, and it's just been wonderful, and uh, we're glad to be here. My little girl, she's perfect for an evangelist because she's so cute. And so during the love offering, we pass her around <laughs> with a little basket around her, and so it just helps out. Um, so if you have your Bibles, by the way, Casey Johnson recommended me to be here today, so if you have any complaints, just call him. I'll give you his number after the service, and so you can just take it up with him. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to be. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 5 and Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in a lot of different places of Scripture, so if you choose and want to try to follow around with me, man, that's great, that's awesome. Uh, if you can only be in one passage of Scripture, that's fine. I recommend being in Matthew chapter 5 because that's where we're going to spend the most of our, our time. November 2nd, 2014 is when my life was radically changed by Jesus. Uh, I was trying to take another man's life. Uh, I was going to kill him and kill myself and anybody else that got in my way simply because I was, I was lost. Uh, I was seeking the things of the world and not the thing of the Lord. 
I had been reading Scripture, I'd been going to church, but I was reading Scripture and going to church as a drug dealer. That, that's a true part of my testimony, is the church invited me, I went, but I didn't think I needed the Jesus that they were talking about. And so, when the Lord saved me, that very day, I started going around and telling people about Jesus. Uh, so went all across the eastern United States, uh, ended up as far up as Chicago, ended all the way into the Carolinas and into Florida, and all I wanted to do was tell people about Jesus. Well, what I have learned over the past eight years now is that there are a lot of people in churches today that are as lost as I was when I was not in church. I have learned that there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians, but their actions don't show that they're Christians. I've learned that there's a lot of people that really love the idea of the cross, if I was to ask you about the cross today and if you thought it was foolish, many of you would say absolutely not. But I believe you think the idea of the cross is not foolish, but you think the message of the cross is foolish. And here's what I mean by that. The idea of the cross is that Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he died for all. So whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter 3 verse 16 and the death and the burial of Jesus and all of that. We, we don't consider that part foolish. We like the idea of salvation through Christ alone and his death and resurrection alone. By grace we have been saved through faith alone. It is not of works of ourselves so that no one should boast in ourselves but we boast in Christ Jesus. And so the idea of the cross is fine. But the message of the cross, many of us in here today, myself included, there's a lot of the things about the message that we would find foolish. Because I believe that some of the most lost people today sit in the churches on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. Because you have a salvation that is just based off of a motion of walking an aisle or raising a hand or, or saying a prayer in the response of what a preacher is saying. See, you had an emotional experience, but you never had a true conversion. <laughs> You've never been really born again. And your actions and the way you live and how you feel about the message of the cross truly shows that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes this to the church of Corinth. Now, what's so cool to me about Paul is that he writes so many letters to churches, and in all of his letters, there's a part about repenting, there's a part about the church and the goodness of God and all these things, and he just, Paul just writes out things boldly, <laughs> right? I've heard your pastor preach, and I believe your pastor preaches in a boldness and in a truth, and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, he says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now what's interesting about this verse, for the word of the cross, for the preaching of the cross is what that word means, the logos or logos, however you want to say it. I, I don't have an education, so I just make up words as I go. That's okay, you can do that too. I believe the Lord has a really large dictionary. He knows what you mean, right? So when it says for the word of the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. See, when we hear that, our immediate thought is we start thinking about the lost people. We start thinking about the people who are just refusing God. We start thinking about all of the people that are living in sin, maybe the people that we know who are in the drug world like I used to be in. Maybe even when you hear the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, your first thought goes to those who are in the LGBTQ lifestyle. Maybe when you hear the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, you go to the pedophiles, to the murderers, to the rapists. But I wonder how many of us, when we hear the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
if any of us even consider that it might be talking about us. Because by the way that we live and by the way we act and by the way we treat others, Jesus said this, he said, people will know you are my disciples by how you love others. And what we're finding in 2023 is that a lot of people, and I know 2023 is only 22 days old, but it rolled over from the last several years. What we're finding out in these years and in these days is some of the most hateful, some of the most harsh, some of the most condemning people are those that claim to follow after a Messiah that preached love, that preached no condemnation. And by the way, do you know that the only people that you and I have the authority to judge are those that sit in a church, or those that are followers of Christ? Not the world, right? We're to love the world. See, when we hear the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, we never even begin to consider ourselves because we think we're fine because of where our church role membership is. That first song we sang, When the Roll is, is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. I, I grew up in church. I, didn't, I grew up at church. I didn't really grow up in church. I believe there's a difference there. And, and so I know that song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. Many people sing that song. And according to Matthew chapter 7, there will be many people who sang that song and who did those things who the Lord will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And this is serious as, as anything. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Well, what exactly is the message of the cross? It, what, what is it? Is it just a, a three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway? Why there's only three of them? I will only never know. I just messed up that old country song. My wife's not here, so she can't really judge me on that. She went to the back in the nursery, right? But the message of the cross, where is that? How can we find that? Well, the best place I found while I was reading and getting ready for this was the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. One of the greatest sermons that was ever preached because it was preached by Jesus. And what's so amazing about this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is that Jesus is teaching this and it goes against everything that any teacher, any rabbi had taught before Jesus except for those that prophesied in the prophets of the Old Testament. Like, this message just went against the grain of the culture by the way, here, just starting out, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like, that wasn't being preached. That wasn't being taught. The poor in spirit, the meek, the mild, that was not what was taught. The, the people that were righteous, they were considered to be the strong and the powerful and the mighty and the wealthy and the rich and, and all these things. But Jesus preaches completely different because Jesus is different than anything this world has ever seen and than anything this world will ever see. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Alpha, the Omega, beginning and the end. And He requires us to be different than the world. Not look the same, sound the same, smell the same, but act different for an hour on Sunday. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. One of the first things I believe the message of the cross is, is that we are to rejoice when insulted. Matthew chapter 5, 11 through 12. Listen to what Jesus, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What Jesus is saying is when people persecute you, man, rejoice in that. Wow, that goes against anything we've heard today. I don't know how you were raised. 
I was raised by somebody, uh, uh, my father, my dad, what he taught me was you say it three times and if they don't follow through on the third, you handle it and you finish it. Never strike first, but if you have to, then you strike back, right? What Jesus is teaching his disciples and his followers is, is listen, man, if people insult you for my name, you count it on joy. You rejoice in it. Be thankful that you were found worthy enough to be considered worthy to, to receive persecution for the name of Jesus. We don't see that today. What do we see when people try to come against Christianity today in our world? Oh man, we charge buildings. What do we see when people try to come against Christianity in our world today? Oh, you will see some of the most horrendous social media posts ever made by people who claim Christianity. <laughs> what do we see when people try to do things to the church today, to the name of Jesus, by those who claim Jesus? What do you see by Like the Gospel needs us to take arms. Like, do, you, do we really think that Jesus needs us to do anything to make His name go? We, Jesus doesn't need us to fight for Him or to defend Him. Jesus needs us to serve Him and not consider it foolish when people come against us for His name, but to count it all joy. Rejoice when you're persecuted. Many of us find that foolish today. Especially because we are the most spoiled Christians in the world. I don't know if you know that, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. Many of you may come up to me after the service and say, boy, you stepped all over my toes. Listen, if this sermon only hits your toes, I failed miserably. If this sermon hits your toes and doesn't pierce your soul, then either I've failed or you've got a guard up to where the only thing that's... There are people in hell with their toes stomped to death whose souls were never changed by the holy living God. Don't be that person. <laughs> we're spoiled in our Christianity today. We come into this comfortable place. We come into this. We don't have to worry about anybody coming in and arresting us for worshiping Jesus here in Bastrop, Louisiana. We don't know what true persecution is. And yet, we want to get our feathers in a frenzy when people try to come at us just because we claim Christianity or claim Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I believe this message, Matthew chapter 5, 11 through 12, is foolish to many of you in this place. Because you think that you have it all and nobody should have a right to come at you because of your constitutional right of a freedom to worship wherever. Can I just tell you this? I'm so thankful for the men and the women who have fought for this country. But the Constitution is nowhere in Genesis to Revelation. And our freedom in the Constitution can be taken from us today. But you know it can't be taken from us. The freedom and the power that is in Jesus Christ. The message of the cross, the message to rejoice when insulted is foolish to many of us in this place. The message of reconciliation, Matthew chapter 5, 23 through 24, says this, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, this is serious, leave your offering there before the altar and go first to be reconciled, restored to your brother, and then come and present your offering. The message of reconciliation is a message of the cross. Jesus preached this, and it is foolish to many of us in this place today. 
Do you mean to tell me that I have to reconcile with my brother or with my sister before my offerings are even counted worthy to the Lord God Almighty? That's what Scripture says. And I believe Scripture to be true. I believe all the way from the index to the maps to be breathed by the Holy Spirit of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 Praise God for the index because I still use it in my personal study. And many of you do too, too. Don't say that you don't, right? So the message of reconciliation, to be reconciled if you have a problem with your brother is a message that is forgotten in the church of the United States of America today. I bet that there are some people in this place today that you're sitting on the opposite side of someone in this building because you have an issue with them. I would also bet to say that there's probably some people in, in this place today that have an issue with somebody in this place today because of what someone in your long line of family did to someone in their long line of family, and you've got just generational beef with people in this place. Do you know that the devil thrives on that kind of stuff? The most segregated place is supposed to be a place that preaches unity. <laughs> and there's people here today who have not restored, who have not asked for forgiveness. You have not forgiven those who've persecuted you or asked those to forgive you who have persecuted you. Because what do we say? Well, if you really knew what they did to me, then you wouldn't be telling me to be reconciled to them. I understand that to a point. Because the Jesus that we claim to serve preaches forgiveness and reconciliation matter of fact even Paul writes in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 that we have a ministry of reconciliation to be restored like this is serious but many of us today find this to be foolish why would I want to reconcile to them after what they said about my family why would I want to reconcile to them after what they did to my son or what they and listen I have a little girl now so I can start to understand that a whole lot better to a point. Because see, what I find in Scripture, talking about reconciliation and forgiveness, if God can forgive me after what I've done in this world, and if God can restore me, and but yet He still expects me to imitate Him, then I have to be willing to walk in a reconciliation lifestyle. I have to be willing to reconcile with those that are my brothers or sisters in Christ. Even if I don't completely agree with them, I cannot let there be any kind of beef between us because that is where the enemy thrives. And he walks in here on the shirt tail of many of us in this place today because you have a problem with somebody that you are so prideful and so hardened heart, you will not bow yourself and humble yourself to ask for forgiveness because you think that you're in the right. If you will not ask someone to forgive you, you are in the wrong. And you're not in a good standing with God. And I don't know about any of you, I would much rather be in good standing with the Lord than in wrong standing with the Lord because of my pride. The Bible says this, humble yourself before the Lord and He will raise you up in honor Many of you want to see this church thrive. You're walking through Acts. I heard your preacher talk about it last week, how this church, if it doesn't want to continue to be a dying church and it wants to be a church that reaches people, do you know there's one word that you must understand and you must be willing to follow and you must be willing to do with whatever necessary? And that word is repent from your lack of reconciliation and repent from the way that you think the message of the cross is foolish. Message of reconciliation is foolish to those who are perishing. The message to love your enemies is foolish to those who are perishing. Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 38. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yes, that includes people in Congress. That includes people in a White House. Loving and praying for those who persecute us, that includes those who would love nothing more than for this place to put boards across its door and put closed. But to many of us, that message is foolish. Why would we love those who persecute us? Do you know that that includes loving those that are of a Muslim faith, a Hindu faith, a a faith of atheism, a, a faith of anything that is not Christianity? Do you know that that is talking about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you? That's even talking about those that would love nothing more than to see you die a horrific death. That means loving everyone unconditionally and praying for those who persecute you. But to many of us today, that is foolish. If I was to ask you, and if I was to ask you to be honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand Because here's what I know about the Lord. You cannot deceive Him. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that he will also reap. That is Scripture, Galatians chapter 6. So if I was to ask all of us, myself included, how much time we spend praying for Joe Biden? How much time we spend praying for Kamala Harris? How much time do we spend praying for the other denominations who are allowing transgenders to become ministers but what do we like to do we like to raise our fists and we like to shout out horrific statements how many of us pray for those that don't look like us sound like us act like us worship like us how many of us truly believe that this is the way we should act or how many of us believe that the message of loving your enemies is foolish by the way that word foolishness it it translates to silly It translates to basically just something so childish that you wouldn't want anything to do with. And that's the way many of us treat all of these things so far. The message of the cross and rejoicing is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross of reconciliation is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross of loving your enemies is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of giving generously is foolishness to those who are perishing Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you that their reward is in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Many of us find giving generously foolish because we think that we've worked hard for what we have, so why would we want to give generously to those who have not worked or done anything to earn it? Many of us in this place have forgotten the reason we have what we have is because our Father owns the land and the cattle of a thousand plus hills. 
The only reason you have what you have today is not just because you worked hard. It's not because of who your family is. It's because God saw fit to allow you to have what you have. Therefore, that's why you have it. But you don't have it to just hold on to it. God has given it to you to be generous with. Do you know that if the churches today, all of the people sitting in a church today, January 22nd, if every one of us gave in a generous way, a lot, a lot of good could be done that would impact this world. You could put a big dent in world hunger. We could put a big dent in the adoption and the orphans that are here in the United States. But we don't want to give generous because we find it foolish because we've been raised that you work for what's yours and you don't give what's yours to people who have not earned it or done. Do you know the Bible says that we could be entertaining angels when we run into strangers? See, here's what's happened to Christians today. We find it foolish to give generous even though the one who saved us by His Holy Spirit gave generously to us. Freely has been given, so freely is expected from us. But some of us are so just stuck on sitting on what we think is ours that we don't want to give generous. And this message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of forgiveness is foolishness to those who are perishing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. This goes back to the reconciliation. I've met a lot of people over the past eight years. And usually after a sermon like this, just to let you know, I've, I've never preached this text before. Evangelists, we have such a bad reputation that we preach the same message everywhere we go. Well, I walked into this during the, uh, you know, the world of social media, so I can't preach the same message everywhere I go because by the time I get home, many people have already heard it. I've never preached this, but I have been around enough people to understand and to know that when we start talking about forgiveness, this is when the blood begins to boil. Because like I already said, many of you are already thinking, well, you don't know what's happened to me. You're exactly right. I don't. I don't know what they said about your daughter. I don't know what they said about your son. I don't know what this person did to your wife, and I don't know what that person did to your husband. I don't know what they said about you. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And this is a part in Scripture where Jesus is hanging on the cross. By the way, the cross wouldn't, wasn't, this was not in the first church. They didn't have a nice shiny cross hanging that was nice and well put together with a light shining on it because the cross was a symbol of death. The cross was a symbol of everything being taken. The cross is what you carried to die. And so when Jesus is hanging on the cross, by the way, the Bible says unrecognizable as a man. That means that if you didn't know that that was a man, you would have no clue. The only way you knew that Jesus was a man is if somebody was standing there and said, that's Jesus, or you read the inscription on the top. He was unrecognizable as a man. He was bare. He was naked, had no clothes on. The Roman soldiers were gambling over his only garment. So he's up there in all humiliation. You can't tell who he is. And even through that, Luke 23, 34, Jesus looks down at the Roman soldiers who had just beat him, mocked him, made, nailed him to a cross, gambling over his clothes, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. If Jesus can look down at those Roman soldiers with all authority to call down a legion of angels, all Jesus had to do was wish, want it to be done, he would have come off the cross in all of his glory, and he could have taken care of business right there. But he knew that if he would have come off that cross, there'd be no hope for salvation for any of humanity that was yet to come. 
So He forgives those. But you and I won't forgive somebody who says something bad about us. But you and I, we won't forgive somebody for looking at us wrong. But Jesus forgave those that beat Him. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of forgiveness is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of seeking first the kingdom of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness, and then all you need will be added unto you. <laughs> that goes against everything that is taught today in our culture. What we're teaching students today as they come out of high school and as they get ready to go into college, we say, go to college, get a degree, this is what you must do. What if the Lord's leading them to be a missionary in a foreign mission field and not go to college? Well, the Lord wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, He would. We teach our, our students, we teach them coming out of high school into college or coming out of college into the workforce, you get a good job, you stay there 10 to 15 years, you build up a 401k, you do all these things. That's what our culture teaches. That's not what Scripture teaches. Culture teaches us to seek after a good retirement, a good home, all of these things. Scripture teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness, and then all you need will be added unto you. Well, that's just foolish talk there, preacher. No, that's biblical talk. We've got it so twisted in our world today. Because we want to chase after things that have no eternal value more than we want to chase after eternal glory. We don't want to seek after the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness. There's several reasons to that. One, because we want to do our own thing. So this part of the message is foolishness to those who are perishing. We want to do our own thing, make it, and then we'll, then we'll seek after the Lord later as we get older, as we have grandkids and kids and all these things. Then we'll do that. Another reason many of us don't want to seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness is because of what it requires of you. Because of whatever it requires of me. You can't seek after the Lord and seek after sin. You can't seek after the Lord and still be someone who is unwilling to forgive someone who persecuted you. You can't seek after the Lord and still be seeking after the ways of the world. You cannot seek after anything including the Lord. It has to be seeking after God and nothing else matters. And sure, He may ask some very strange things from you. I lived in my truck for seven months after I surrendered my life to Christ. I had no back seat. The truck that I was living in is a truck I sold drugs in. I had three couch cushions back there. I slept outside of a coffee shop in Ruston called The Depot. That was my home for seven months. People thought I was crazy. And I kind of am. I am wearing blue boots. I don't know if you noticed that or not. They clash with your green carpet. People thought I was crazy. You know what people used to tell me? I'd go around walking around the asphalt, the parking lot, looking for nickels, pennies, dimes, quarters, anything I could find to pay for a cup of coffee. And I'd come walking in with these coins, and I'd count them out, and this old man who knew me my entire life, I was counting out, trying to pay for a cup of coffee, and he said, son, you know the way you can fix this, you could go get a job. I said, man, I've got a job. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness. All I need will be added unto me. This is what I'm going to do. He said, you need to stop with all that foolishness. And there's many of you who think someone surrendering it all to Christ is foolish. And I believe two reasons for that. One, because you really think it is foolish. Or two, you're living in such regret that you passed up your opportunity to live surrendered to Christ. And so you're trying to keep everybody else from doing the same. The message of the cross and rejoicing when insulted is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of reconciliation is foolishness to those who are 
perishing. The message to love your enemies is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message to give generously is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message to forgive those who persecute is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message to seek first the kingdom of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of Luke chapter 9, verse 23 is foolishness to those who are perishing. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this, If any man wants to follow after me, he must first deny himself daily, pick up his cross, and follow after me. The reason we think this is so foolish is because we don't want to follow after Jesus because we're concerned of what He might ask us to do. The reason that you are so concerned, you will say to me, you've already, many of you have already said it, I wish this church was full. No, you don't. Because if you did, you would see things that you've never seen before. If you wanted this church to be full, there would be people weeping at the altar. If you wanted this church to be full, there would be people in their neighborhood knocking on doors and asking people how they can pray for them, how they can love them. If you wanted this church to be full, you would be willing to do whatever necessary to see it full. There's a preacher named Jerry Chaddock who was sitting down next to a preacher one time. And uh, this, I forget the musician's name, Mark something maybe, and, and the guy was playing the piano and the preacher leaned over to Jerry Chaddock and told Jerry, he said, man, I, I, really, I wish I could play the piano like that. And Jerry said, no, you don't. You ever taken piano lessons? The guy said, no, I hadn't. Jerry said, have you ever sat down to play the piano? He said, no, I haven't. He said, then you don't wish you could play the piano that way because if you did, you'd be doing something about it. If you truly wished that the Lord would fill this church, you would do something about it. But what we're doing is allowing the message of the cross to be foolish and we're perishing. The second part of that verse. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Oh, praise the Lord. Look, I'm used to preaching at churches that start at 11, so I run my sermons from 11 to 12, so we're good, right? So the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God, the saving power of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this power that Paul's writing about is the power that lives inside of every believer that has been born again, washed by the blood of Jesus, and whose sins have been forgiven by Jesus. See, this power is not something that went away when Jesus died. By the way, this power is something that we received on the day of our salvation. This power of God that Paul is writing about is the power that will give you the ability to rejoice when insulted. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The problem with a lot of us today is we have not allowed the power of God to dwell in us fully. We've just gone through emotion. We've never truly surrendered it all to Jesus. And it shows it shows by the way we act, by the way we worship, by the way we pray, by the way we read. But the power of God can dwell in you richly and fully and all things are possible for those who trust in the Lord because we serve a God that makes the impossible possible. So the message of the cross to you may be foolishness today and you may be perishing today, but the power of God can change that completely. 
Because that word perishing is the same one used in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That abundant life that is promised in John chapter 10, verse 10. The life that is worth living for Jesus that is promised by the cross. But many of us today, we think this is foolishness, and it will continue to show until you repent. And ask the Lord to forgive you for your wretched soul. We've seen this so many times. Messages preached, altar calls given, and here's what happens. Nothing. Because many of you will walk out of that door the same way you walked in. Nose up in the air, chin up high. That was a good message, but it wasn't for me. Can I just tell you this in a loving way? That if you're not living, following Jesus, if you're not living a life of reconciliation, if you're not living a life of forgiveness, if you're not living a life of generosity, if you're not living a life of trusting the Lord, if you're not living a life of seeking the Lord, if you're not living a life surrendered to Jesus, fully understanding that it was not your goodness that saved you, but the goodness of God that saved you, if you're not living that way, you're in trouble. And you need to repent. And come to Jesus. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you've been. But He wants you. I told you, Pastor Brother Richard, we talked on the phone. The guy that gave me his phone number gave me his wrong phone number. Uh, gave me the area code 876. By the way, that's Jamaica, in case you were wondering. And my first thought was, well, I, he's a Marine, so, I mean, it's a possibility that he's lived in Jamaica at some point and then just, just never changed his phone number. Right? And so I called it. By the way, when you call Jamaica, it doesn't ring. It just beeps. And it beeped a couple of times. And I said, nah, hung up the phone. I said, Casey Johnson, sent him a message. I said, what's Brother Richard's number? He gave me the correct number, which is an Arkansas area code. Kind of like Jamaica, just a little bit different. Right? And so got a hold of him. We began to talk. And I shared a story with him that I don't usually share. Um, when I was 18 years old, I'd gone through a breakup. And when I went through a breakup, where I was working, a recruiter for the United States Marines walked in. My cousin's a Marine. I was 18 years old, went through a bad breakup. I was like, that's my sign. Was not living for the Lord. I was an alcoholic by the time I was 15 years old. Marine walks in. We have a uh, conversation about me joining the United States of Marines. And do you know that there's a lot of paperwork to fill out to, to join the Marines? And there's one specific question that is asked when you go through a process of trying to become a, a soldier. Do you take any mind-altering prescribed drugs? I was on Adderall. As you can tell, I'm off of it now, right? I'm ADD multiplied by 35 pi squared. That's just the way I roll. It's a spiritual gift. It really is. But I was on Adderall. I said, Adderall, that voided me. And there were some things that I would have had to have gone through in order to go back through the process, and I just never did. They didn't want me because of what I had been putting in my system. November 2nd, 2014, when I was fixing to try to take a man's life, and I thought everything about the cross was foolish. On that day, when the Lord changed everything about me, He knew the drugs, He knew the sex, He knew the lies, He knew the, all the horrible things I'd done, and He never wrote void on the application. He wrote redeemed by the blood of Jesus. 
That's why I can tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been there. This is the day of salvation. Stop considering it to be foolishness and see it as the power of God that will dwell in you richly. And watch what He does with you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank You so much for the opportunity to be here. God, I I pray that You will just work, continue to work in this moment. God, I, I pray that what is said and what has been said God, didn't fall on, on deaf ears. God, I, I pray that Your Holy Spirit is, is even now convicting those who are living in an unforgiving life. Convicting those who have not reconciled with somebody in their life. Forgiving, God, and just dealing with those who are lost. God, I, I pray that You save them. Father, I, I pray for those in here that are followers of Christ, but maybe have just gotten lazy. God, may we repent. Lord, I pray that we'll stop being a church that says we want to see something and start being a church that lives and acts like we truly want to see a move of God. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Move in this moment. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As they sing, I, want to, I, I do things a little different. I'm, I'm not your typical uh, every head bow, every eye closed, raise your hand. Because I lived such a manipulative lifestyle for so long, I know me. And I know I can manipulate you. I know I have that ability if I'm not walking with Christ. And so what I do at the end of every service is simply ask you to do something that I myself am willing to do. And that is pray and repent. If you need to come to this altar and cry out to the Lord, praise God that it has carpet and it's not bad on your knees. If you need to come here and confess sin to somebody in this place and you grab them and you go to them and you ask them to forgive you for whatever it is, even if it's a 40 to 50 year long beef that you've had but whatever the holy spirit's leading you to do please understand that it's him leading you not a pastor not a minister it is the holy spirit of god leading you to do it therefore there's something great to come with it so you move as the lord's leading you we invite you to stand in this moment if you need to come pray come and pray